got TW Takes in the house. TW Takes, what's up? TW Takes podcast. That's Terrible Wrestling Takes podcast. So we'll go through all the monikers. The, uh, the man himself. Bishop over at TW Takes podcast. Absolute legend. He is an Irish New Yorker. Big up Bishop. Bishop <laughs> TW Takes. Shout out to Bishop on that one. Bishop from TW Takes. Matt Bishop from TW Takes. Shout out to TW Takes. TW Takes. Mr. TW Takes. TW Takes. TW Takes. TW Takes. TW Takes. And Takes. TW Takes. Bishop has, you know, on terrible takes. TWT Takes. Terrible wrestling takes. Bishop's terrible wrestling takes. Strictly for Bishop. Shout out to Terrible Wrestling Takes. Cheers, Bishop. TW Takes podcast. Him and his wife, Mrs. TW Takes. We got Mrs. Takes here as well. My wife. Mrs. Takes. She's the sleeper hit. So good. Thank you, wife. Shout out to Mrs. TW Takes. It's a fun back and forth. Such a small part, but so effective. I'm telling you, that's my go-to podcast now. TW Takes. You want here? Terrible Wrestling Takes. Bishop from Terrible Wrestling Takes. Bishop, everybody needs to be listening to you, brother. Bishop, say hello. Oh, shit. Here we go. Brand new episode. Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast. But before we talk that shit, let's plug that shit. TBTakesPodcast.com for all platforms, audio and visual. Like and subscribe, especially if you do it for other people. TBTakesPodcast.com slash TWTs for all the merch to help support the show. Most affordable, fastest shipping merch in the podcast game. Remember, at TWTakesPodcast on all social media. And remember, review if you do, rate if you feel. Subscribe for me like you do for the rest of these idiots with a microphone and a computer now let's get into some more terrible wrestling takes oh shit here we go off the jump i want to thank y'all so much so so much for the positive feedback from the aew accountability episode i i i was nervous but i wasn't you know what i mean i'm, I'm always confident in what i say behind the microphone but in today's day and age where cancel culture is so big, where hypersensitivity is at an all-time high, you know, it's really tough to say the right thing the right way because there's always somebody that has a problem with something that's said. And honestly, as of now, I got 100% positivity on that last episode. Uh, Quickly, it became my most listened to episode of the uh, the last month. It got over more listens than uh my my first episode back shouts to shouts to graham over at good bear wrestle I, I fuck with him because when i went on their show at the beginning of 2021 i told him man every episode after that just dropped well when i went on to good bear wrestle in december my uh my following my following episode uh doubled in listens so thank you guys but this one was organic man this one was on me this one was on me and how I pushed it and how I marketed it. And honestly, I've said it before, AEW episodes get way better listens than anything else. But this one, it doubled my last episode and it got more than the last two episodes combined. And it got more listens than the episode after the one uh, from, uh, from, from, from Good Bad Wrestle. So off the strength of the topic and the marketing I did myself... And y'all for retweeting it and and listening right away, I appreciate it. Um, you guys, I've I've tried to interact with everyone who interacted with me. That's why I tell you, if you listen to it and you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. I take all feedback the way it should be. Um, if I got to change things up and how I maybe deliver some points or use different words, I would love to hear that. 
but shouts to all you guys, man, like the positive feedback. It just made me feel so good knowing that I can speak about something that doesn't necessarily pertain to me. You know, when it comes to ethnic diversity and representation, it's not something I've ever had to worry about. And I know that from speaking from that standpoint, that it's it's hard to be relatable. But I do what I do every time, man. I come on here. I speak from experience. I speak with my heart. And I speak with my brain. I'm not a fucking idiot. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I can be a drunk asshole. I can do all kinds of dumb shit and and be silly and say things in jest that aren't, you know, socially acceptable now. But there's a lot of people out there that that need our help as allies. And that's all I'll ever try to be. I don't need to be a a fucking uh, a warrior in the fight. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go check people who don't need to be checked or, you know, try to, as the kids say, ratio people these days. I don't need to do all that. But, you know, this this what I did with the AEW situation, from my opinion, is, and why and shouts to to at do the crab. You know, he, he gave me props for wrapping it around to the Matt Hardy situation. I've been saying it since then. They just need to be held accountable, man. And it starts with the fan base. I said that too. It starts with us. It starts with you. I'm not a fan of AEW. I'm not. But I can I can do this podcast shit the right way. So I appreciate the listens. I appreciate the feedback. I, I appreciate the the spreading of the love from me to another podcast, to another listen, to another friend, to another follower. That that goes absolutely unparalleled. So I hope everyone got a a good takeaway from the conversation because that's all it ever needs to be is the conversation and hopefully at the end of it you know we as a fan hold those above us quote above us accountable because at the end of the day they're just fucking people man i don't get i've look i the the last thing i'll I'll go on this you know and I, i said it as well you know i talk to my son's principal i talk to my son i talk to my boss i talk to my my subordinates you know, whoever, the people that work for me. I talk to them all the same way. I talk to them all the same way. Because if you put on a front, you got to keep up a front. If you submit yourself, then you stay submitting yourself. And you change who you are. All that. Nah, I don't do that, man. I don't do that. I don't do that. I was, last thing, again, last parallel on this. I was working on a cruise ship when I was 22. And the servers would come over. I was a pastry chef at the time. And the servers would come over to me and go, oh, my God, I need I need your best dessert. I have the captain at my table. And I go, take any one. There's like 350 made already. We, we plated them up. They're ready to go. They got lids on them, everything, right? I said, take, go ahead, take one. He goes, no, I need your best one. I said, they're all my best one. I said, "If the why would the captain get something better than what the customers would get? Something that the patrons would get. Why would you treat someone of a higher ranking who isn't going to pay for a meal, who didn't pay to be there? Better than you would treat the people that are paying to be there. I, I'll never understand that. I'll never understand that. So we can't give status to people who don't earn it. Who don't earn it. You can show respect to the position, right? Man, Captain, I appreciate you and everything you do. I hope you enjoyed what we provided tonight. I didn't make anything special for you. And they appreciate that. They don't want to be treated different because they're, you know, or at least they shouldn't. They shouldn't want to be treated different. Because they have status. Because somewhere down the line, they earn that. And that's why that fucking pissant Tony Khan, and I'll tell him to his fucking face, he's a pissant. 
Shouts to Triple H for calling it a piss ant company. He's a rich kid, man, who hasn't had to earn it. Who hasn't had to earn it. Anyone who's come from socioeconomic bottom knows what socioeconomic tops look like, man. They know how they act. You ever you ever grow up with the child whose parent is a police officer? You know what I'm saying? And if you get the reference, you get the reference. You know? They they're fucking they're they're extremely disoriented in how to act. Why? It's an overcompensation for what their parent does. It's what they do, man. These these kids, man. He grew up rich. He never had to work for nothing. Daddy gave him everything. And he acts like shit doesn't exist around him. He thinks that... I, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. All right, all right. We're, we're, we're fucking seven, eight minutes in, and I'm still going on about it. Again, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the listens. As much support as you can give. Much appreciated. TableTakesPodcast.com slash TWTs. Pick up some t-shirt packs. Pick up a pin coaster set. All that good stuff, stickers in there, all that shit. Absolutely appreciate you guys and all the support. But this episode is about day one and Raw and the fallout of what's going to happen. I can't really say much about SmackDown because we don't know. You know, as of now, it looks like Roman is back. Uh, he's been cleared to to be on Raw. But that's the that was the biggest takeaway from day one, right, to start, is that Roman got diagnosed uh, or tested positive for COVID, Roman wasn't able to perform. And then, as they say, card subject to change, right? If Roman's not there, then what do you do with Brock Lesnar? Oh, okay, you take Brock Lesnar, you put him in the fatal four-way for the Raw show. Hey, free agent Brock Lesnar doing what free agent Brock Lesnar do. Now, I'm just going to I'm gonna start right there. Brock Lesnar winning in the fatal five-way I thought was awesome. It does a great job at mixing everything up. It gives Raw storylines for days. I mean, from the beginning, from the beginning of Brock jumping in there, they gave us exactly what we want. And this is, again, why I fucking hate most of the IWC. Our side's dope. Our side's dope, all right? But Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley has been a thing forever, and they gave it to us right away. They gave it to us right away. Not only that, not only that, they had... It was like just over eight minutes in this fatal five-way. And Bobby got two spears and a hurt lock on Brock Lesnar without Brock laying a hand on Bobby. So not only did they have to jump this storyline, but they did it and protected the story itself. And then Bobby wins on Monday night to set up the match at Royal Rumble. And Brock Lesnar doesn't even acknowledge that he's going to face Bobby Lashley. Like, that's fucking fantastic storytelling. Fantastic storytelling. Brock doesn't have his eye on Bobby, even though Bobby fucked him up. And the shit that Brock is willing to do for everybody else, it's just, it's top tier, man. I've said it time and time again. At the end of the day, Brock Lesnar, Triple H, and Roman Reigns are going to be the top three salesmen of all time. And why, why I say that they're above, you know, like a Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels or anything like that, is that those three guys aren't supposed to lose. They're not supposed to lose. And Cena, when he's losing, always looks goofy. But Roman, Triple H, and Brock are not supposed to lose. And when they sell for you, they fucking sell. They look 
dead. They look hurt. Now the comeback, Brock fails at that. Because he just supermans up. And he's ready to go. Boom. Oh, shit. He went through 17 tables. Guess what? The most explosive F5 of all time. You know what I mean? But Roman and and Triple H, they got to work their way back into the power. And then when they finally get there, it's a wrap. So, look, I've always been a fan of Brock Lesnar's ability to make his opponents look absolutely believable. I mean, just go to his Survivor Series run, right? Against Finn Balor. Against Daniel Bryan. Against AJ Styles. In Saudi, against Ricochet. You know, these... These matches he has with small guys where he gives them the opportunity to look legit. It's amazing. It's amazing. And when he does it for big dudes, he fucking... I mean, he looks like he gets hit with baseball bats. Brock's the man. Brock's the fucking man. Now, where I thought they fucked up with Brock was having Paul Heyman do the the shtick from before. Because when he does all that, it it, it just gives me bad vibes. Now, I know a lot of y'all love it, and it's cool. But Babyface Brock was on such a level that we didn't need the change from Paul Heyman to get back to the same song and dance that they had before. That really bothers me. You know, it's just because we we never had a Babyface Brock to invest in. We never had a Brock that, you know, we could we could sink our teeth into that was independent of anything else. There was no bullshit. There was no parody. There was no, you know... Uh, I guess shadiness behind it. This was this was straight up Brock coming to take what's his because somebody else is worse than him. At least this is what it felt like. That's what it felt like. But now it's like, I don't know. I, and I kind of said it, right? I, I think I was talking to Marsh and Justin when we were talking about it. And it was just like, you know, if this is a whole thing to, you know, be, be a fuck over of Brock, like, this Brock just doesn't need to be toyed with. And even in this direction. You know, because if this is if this whole plan is Brock Lesnar or is uh, Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns working together to fuck over Brock, like Brock doesn't need more sympathy. Brock doesn't need more support. It was there. Well, now they're taking it away by making him be the bad guy. I just I don't know, man. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It it felt awkward. It didn't feel as babyface. So, look, and and before I get too far on that. The biggest reason is, and, and well, I guess, you know what, the vibes are the vibes, right? Paul Heyman, he's on the mic, he does the whole thing, ladies and gentlemen, blah, blah, blah. And he did the talking up of opponents, too, right? Uh, KO and Seth actually worked well together. And then he put, I mean, the wrestling term, he put over Big E so strong, man. It's like, Big E deserves this, and Big E that, and Big E. He was talking about how great Big E was as a champion. And then he laid out all the points in the match where Bobby Lashley was the one to to defeat, you know, or put Brock in a compromising situation. All of that's fantastic, not needed. Not needed. Because we saw that. We were there for that. Now, yes, if you want to say this is Raw coming off of pay-per-view, but... You know, those are the things we got away from. Even when, you know, y'all were saying, oh, well, it took Paul Heyman to get uh, Roman Reigns to win. No, because Paul Heyman stopped talking. And we didn't have these soliloquy recaps. We just got the business. A video recap, and then boom. Roman would say his shit. This here, I mean, if it was just Brock Lesnar, 
And and he was standing out there, champion by himself, no Paul Heyman. And was like, who want one? MVP comes out, goes, hey, Brock, my man Bobby had you. And he going to get you again. And Brock goes, he could try. One-on-one, there won't be any distractions for me either. You know, that's simple. That's simple. Because all the stuff with Paul Heyman just makes it seem like of before. Of before. And I say, I mean, look, it's a terrible wrestling take. I know because I, sometimes I say the same thing to you guys when, you know, even in the beginning of the Roman stuff. Oh, this is just them pushing Roman down our throats again. Well, watch the character, see what happens, right? So I could do this here too. I'm just giving you my immediate vibes. I'm not out on it. I'll tell you that. I'm not out. I definitely want to see what happens. I found it really odd that at the end of Raw, when Bobby Lashley won the Fatal 4-Way to set up for Brock and Lashley at Royal Rumble, they interview Brock and he goes, tell Roman I'll see him on Friday. Had nothing to do with Lashley. I found that odd. I found it a little disrespectful, but we have unfinished business, right? The match was supposed to be. And now Brock gets to go there and say, hey, I just beat four other guys for a title. I definitely could have beat you. You know, it's shit like that, of course. Of course. So in these moments where we get something good, but it's not what we want, we got to be careful and we got to watch the story. So I'm definitely going to do that. But I just, I have my antennas up. I have my antennas up because I just don't like this this version of Brock being fucked with. I think this version of Brock was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. So we'll see how far down the path they go on Friday as of release. Should be tonight when Brock Lesnar goes face-to-face with Roman Reigns. Paul Heyman has some shit to say about Roman. And uh, it should be good. It should be good because this is now Roman against Paul Heyman. Not Paul Heyman by his side. And they had a good run, man. They had a really good run. It's uh, It's been really cool. So, let's see. Uh, let me, I guess, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go with the, the big stuff, right? Becky and Liv. Becky and Liv had a really fun match. 17-minute match about about that. About 17. Not definitely 17. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, look, I did think it was a little long. I thought this match was better than their Raw match. I think Liv is really coming into her own. But a match like this, you got to keep shorter. You got to keep shorter, in my opinion. You know, they did a good job of building up, coming down, building up, coming down to where even at the end, Liv goes to hit the oblivion and there was a little stutter. And I was like, what the fuck is the camera doing? And they didn't quite catch it, but it looks like Becky pokes Liv in the eye after she catches her from the oblivion and then hits the manhandle slam. Now, I thought the manhandle slam out of the oblivion is an awesome take, right? It's an awesome way to do it. You know, a problem with the women, I've said it time and time again, there's there's limited fluidity in how their bodies match up when they move. And that's so a lot of stuff looks jerky. A lot of stuff, you know, just isn't as synchronous. And that's what I thought this was at first. But when, you know, and shouts to who posted on Twitter, I apologize. But the gif is there that they boom, popped it right in the eye. So look, I'm a big fan of what's happening. Uh, the fallout on Raw, Dewdrop, Bianca, and Liv are now going to have a triple threat to see who faces Becky at Raw Rumble, which is fantastic. Because when you look at it this way, Dewdrop completely covered her ass on it, and that's phenomenal. That's how great she's doing. 
Fucking love Dewdrop, man. She said, yeah, I've lost to Bianca. Bianca has lost to Becky a bunch. Liv keeps losing to Becky. So I have just as much right as anyone else. It's like fucking right. Fucking right. And I honestly feel that whatever's given to Dewdrop as a promo or as a program, she puts her spin on it. I absolutely think she puts her spin on it. It comes off too natural, right? I know Dewdrop's been around the way. I know she's done a lot of work, you know, Indies, NXT UK, all that shit. But she's too fluid for, I mean, hey, she could just be that good, right? You know, Ruby Riot style, where it's just that natural to her. So, but I'm excited for that. I think the triple threat is going to look awesome. I think all three ladies have been doing a really good job of getting to that next level. And and that's another thing. We got to, fuck, man, give WWE credit. They've built this women's division since SummerSlam. They really have. And it's not all off the back of Becky at all. But it's off the confidence that these women can get it done while Becky's holding down the title. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Now, we've we've all said it too, though, right? I mean, that's where it came from. That's where Give Divas a Chance came from. Is are they at least going to get on TV? Are they at least going to get an opportunity? Are they at least going to see if... You know, they, they can succeed. They can't succeed if they're not on TV. That was my whole thing, right? Time on TV, time on TV. So, look, at the end of the day, this should be a good setup for Royal Rumble. Who knows what it means? You know, who really cares? But at the end of it, what do we get, right? What do we get? Honestly, I think we get Liv and Becky one more time. I do think there's a chance that Becky does lose it. But honestly, what I'm thinking happens is they're waiting for the right person to have the right match with Becky and then just switch the finish. So it's close. I think we're close. I think uh, Bianca can have that match. And it's possible Liv can have that match. I don't quite see it yet, but I think it's possible. They would have to slow it down a bit, go a little shorter, get just a little bit more creative. But Liv's athleticism is really picking up. She looks more confident in the ring. Nobody's more confident in the ring than Bianca. Sometimes a little too confident above her skills. But they're, they're all there. They're all there. I think fucking Dewdrop is is a, a goldmine, man. I think she's awesome. So next thing we got, another Raw storyline. We got the Edge and Miz. Look, this was 20 minutes. This was a long time. And the only reason why I bring up the, the times on these, which I normally don't do, is... Basically to show you that in the eight minutes they had for Brock Lesnar, they told such a good story where they spend 17 minutes on Becky and Liv. They probably could have cut that short. Not the eight minutes, but the Edge and Miz. Again, you go 20 minutes to tell what story. To tell what story that they didn't have to. Now, if they wanted these guys to stretch time because we weren't getting Roman and Brock, I get it. I get it. But, I mean... Just give it to the to the car crash at the end. Let the car crash go a little bit longer. It was so well put together. That fucking main event match was awesome. But Edge and Miz, they went 20 minutes. They, I thought the Miz looked really strong. And I think it's good to see the Miz look strong. But it, it has to stop being off the backbone of him being a weasel. He's giving himself no opportunity to be a great wrestler. Right, You got a guy like Dolph Ziggler, who of course is a great wrestler, a great performer, 
but he has a hard time keeping us there on the microphone, right? The only time he really does it is when he's crying and complaining. Well, Miz has us there on the microphone. And I'm not saying that we need babyface Miz, but we need a Miz who can wrestle and the mic work not carry everything. And I'd like to see that because I do think he has value in ring. I do think he, it's he's not spectacular, but he doesn't suck. And I think there's a big difference there. And if we can see kind of what he had with Edge without having to go, and I need said, And he has the same cadence every time in the promos. You know, and there's a lot of people that say he says the same shit over and over again, and it's true. You know, but for me, it's it's why have the promo be the only reason we give a shit. Let him out-wrestle somebody. Let him get the one-up shit, up, one-upsmanship on somebody. He's been wrestling almost 20 fucking years. He should be able to out-wrestle somebody. Like an edge, even an edge. He should be able to out-wrestle an edge who has been out since... Fucking, what was it? What, what was his last match? Uh, was it SummerSlam? Or Saudi? Saudi. Yeah, the Saudi Crown Jewel. His last match was Crown Jewel. So, like, why why can't we get that? Why can't we get get Miz out-wrestling him? Now, then again, the Miz was on Dancing with the Stars and hasn't really wrestled either. So, I don't know. I, I just, I found it odd that they took an entire 20 minutes just to get to Beth Phoenix coming out. And again, keep it 100, both sides, right? Fucking WWE botching that production, showing Beth's face without hitting her music. That was odd. I hate her hair. I think it looks stupid. If it's Phoenix hair, because she's a Phoenix, okay. But it just, I don't like it. And they do that shit a lot too, right? They used to fuck up Ronda Rousey's makeup and hair, and they did it to Becky a while back. But to each their own. I mean, if you like it, you like it. You don't, you don't. Whatever. It's not that big a deal. But yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't think we need the full 20 minutes. The match did feel slow. I thought it it lacked drama. You know, because honestly, I think we all wanted it to happen. And, and that's the thing, too, about fantasy booking, man. When you put the, put the idea out there so much and then it actually happens, what do you... Where's the pop? Where's the enjoyment? That's why I shout to Justin. Justin Time 211, the host of the In Time Wrestling Podcast. He knew Daniel Bryan was showing up at, uh, what you call it, uh, fucking AEW. He knew Adam Cole was going there. He knew CM Punk was going there. And he popped each time. And that's, that. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, that is what it's all about, getting lost in it, enjoying it. But yeah, this, it had this match been a little bit shorter, a little bit, you know, lack the anticlimacticness of it, right? Have Beth Phoenix run out through the crowd. Somewhere where it was more of a surprise. I just thought it was way too on the nose, so... I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to Street Profits and RKO. RK Bro, sorry. Um, I don't know, man. I can't really watch it. I, I tried. You know, I think Montez having braids, coming out with the do-rag on, trying to show a little bit edgier side to his character, the way he looks at things. And it's it's not, I don't think it's a good look. Let's put it that way. To kind of piggyback off of my ethnic diversity thing. I think this is probably the wrong way to go about putting an edge on a character. I just, I don't know. I don't like it. Let's put it that way. I don't like it. If it works, fine. But the Street Profits, 
I'm I'm good, man. They they do the same thing every time. They're super entertaining. I get it for those who enjoy it, but like even Montez's frog splash is the example of how over the top they are with everything. He doesn't do a frog splash. I've seen people talking about like how he might have the greatest frog splash. It's not a frog splash. There's no pump to it. He literally jumps as high as he can to bring his knees to his chest and then lay out. The frog splash was supposed to mimic a frog. The jump, the the back in, and then the layout so you don't land knees on. Like, that frog motion isn't there. He, he swirls his arms in a circle to try to jump as high as he can. That's what he's, he's not frog splashing. There's no pump. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not a frog splash. It's a form of a splash. But just because he pumps his knees and it doesn't make it a frog splash. Like, you're supposed to pump your knees and arms. Look, I'm just a fucking idiot wrestling fan, okay? But he's the only guy to do a frog splash that doesn't move his arms down. He moves them out and around. Is that his interpretation of a frog splash? Is that what you guys are going to tell me? As an artist, that's his interpretation of a frog splash? Okay, well, my interpretation of the letter J is is the letter K. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to convince me that the way he's going about his frog splash is a splash. You know, look at D'Lo Brown, RVD, La Rosa Negra, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Even Rey Mysterio and Kevin Owens, they all do a version of the same frog splash. It all looks different. But it's still the same version. Sasha, when she does hers, she pumps her hands back to her side and then comes forward. But it's it's always a pump back and then forward, not a swing around. To jump as high as possible. It's. it's. I don't know man. I, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. And then he slams so hard. And then never sells his ribs. It's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, RK bro's got to do something. I don't know where they go from here. I don't quite remember the fallout on Raw. Because I'm not too in to RK bro as it is. So. I don't know. They just are what they are to me. Let's see. What else we got here? Um, I guess the rest is SmackDown stuff, right? Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss. I don't I didn't watch it. I saw the backstage segment where Drew gets folded up in a chair. Reports <laughs> gotta love those fucking things, right? Reports say that McIntyre's legit injured. Uh either way. It looks like he's gonna be off TV and come back when it's convenient. So I think that's the main takeaway here, which is fine. But I tell you this. Drew McIntyre, in my opinion, which is the point of the fucking show, TV Takes Podcast, TVTakesPodcast.com. You're listening to it. I know. Fuck up. But nah, take a look at the... Drew McIntyre should take a look at his character the same way Undertaker did. When you leave and come back, come back drastically different, but be the same person. Now, Undertaker always walked and moved like Undertaker, right? It was just a a matter of if he's demonic, he's slow and then explosive. Punches are the same. That's what I'm talking about. 
if Drew wants to continue to be Drew in the ring, which honestly, there's no consistency in who he is in the ring. He does the worst belly-to-belly suplex of all time where he pushes people over his head. It looks so dumb. I fucking hate it. His Claymore is okay, but my my biggest issue is that there's nothing to gravitate to, and when he changes, he just changes in the words that he says. I'm the Scottish Terminator. I'm the Scottish Psychopath. I'm, the, I'm this. I'm that. I'm the good guy. I'm the bad guy. Like, it's the same thing over and over again. He never comes back with a change. I'd like to see him come back kind of like kind of like original Baron Corbin. Come back in fucking in pants with a muscle shirt like Braun Strowman used to. Some shit like that. Come out looking like that. Let's see what happens. Do something that's different to say different words. Fucking shave your head, dude. I don't fucking care. Do something that's not the same thing saying different words. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing to grab onto. Alright, we also got New Day and Usos. This match was captivating. I was going to say incredible, but it wasn't. But it was captivating. And it's because we've seen the New Day and Usos fight a million times. But just like when you have an MMA trilogy or you have you have a boxing trilogy, it's not always the same punches at the same time. But the excitement for each match is there. And this is what it felt like. This legit this felt like we're watching, you know, even two football teams, you know, rivals that you try a different strategy each time, but you only have so many weapons. You know, you only have so many tools in your toolbox. These guys know each other well enough to strategize differently. They make a real fight feel. They choreograph differently each time because they know each other. Well, we know you're going to do that, so we're going to do this. And then they keep doing shit like that. When I was watching this match, I go, wow. They're wrestling like adults. They're not wrestling like wrestlers. They're not being performance artists in front of us, if that makes sense. I was like, this is the grown-up version of the Usos versus the grown-up version of the New Day. This isn't about this isn't about how do we put on the craziest match of all time. This is, we've been wrestling forever. We've been wrestling each other forever. How do we make this look like the people know we've been wrestling each other forever? Let's do the same thing, but in a different way. It was a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece. It wasn't, it wasn't classic for the stuff that happened in it, but when you, when you watch it for the context of why did I still like this match? Because that's what I was like, wait, I, this match was awesome. I went back and watched it again. I go, oh my God. They weren't purposely giving us something we haven't seen before. They were giving us the same thing in a way we haven't seen before. And I was like, this is this fucking genius. It was so good that, like, watching it back, I go, that's where I came up with the, this is the grown-up version of each of them. 
they wrestled each other as kids, as teenagers, as adults now. Like, as grandparents, they're going to be wrestling, and it's going to look something different again because that's what they do. As they evolve as characters, they have growth in their matches. That's the shit I'm talking about. When I complain about the other company, where's the growth? Where's the next thing? Where's the different thing? And this was a this was just a straight-up tag match. They didn't need the Hell in a Cell or a Cage or anything like that like they've used before to show growth in their in their ability as a team. I, I loved it. I loved it. I found it to be a, a masterpiece in, in telling, again, wrestling term, telling stories in the ring. Because it's not necessarily the story that they told. It, it was... It was like how they read the book, right? It's the same story. It's, you know, guys who've wrestled before, two best tag teams. How do we out-tag team each other? But they just read it to us different, man. They read it to us different. And that's cool. It's a different interpretation, right? The way there's been three different Spider-Man over the last 20 years. It's just a different interpretation. And the way it was done, I thought was awesome, man. I thought it was really, really awesome. I love I loved both those tag teams. I loved the 3D at the end, too. Nice little homage. I don't remember if it was Jimmy or Jay. Shouts. They threw up the 3D before they caught the cutter. It's great, man. It was great. that they both, they both just looked grown and confident in the ring, man. Just really grown and confident. And that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm interested to see what happens going forward. Especially with, you know, the fallout of what happened at day one still being about Roman. I wonder what's going to happen with, with the Usos. And for King Woods to take a loss in in tag match fashion, where do we go with the King character? How does he feel about having to assess getting victories? So, should be cool. Uh, quick shout out to Rich Holland for busting his nose. Hopefully he's alright. Um, Ricochet, you know, you, we could all tell that shit was on accident. But, either way, I thought day one was really fun. I, I had a lot of a lot of fun watching it. I did feel like it slowed down in the middle. Uh, maybe that was because Roman wasn't going to be on. But look, we got a car crash at the end that so far, you know, is is exactly what you expect it to be. I mean, shit, even on Monday when they had the fatal four-way for the number one contender, I thought they did a great job. The rest of the build to- towards Royal Rumble should be pretty cool. Not too sure how I feel about the Johnny Knoxville stuff. I mean, they always do things for celebrities, so... My, my issue always with celebrities in ring is how do they look, right? That's why I call Pat McAfee and Bad Bunny Hall of Famers off of one match. Because in the ring, they look like wrestlers. And I think that's important. And there's a lot of times celebrities come in and they don't really bounce off the ropes the right way. And they don't not even like going over top. Do they look good? So, you know, when Knoxville comes in, I imagine how shitty it's going to look. And that's my only hesitation. That's it. Uh, other than that, look, this is what it is. Sorry to those who are pertinent about the time I use, but I'm doing this on a snow day. I couldn't get enough time away from the kiddo to make this a full hour, but you got about 40 minutes. And I had to squeeze this in, so I still have to do my New Year's Evil recap, which will be another short 30-minute episode. You're welcome. But nah, guys, I appreciate it. Absolutely do. That's just a shot at Graham, who wants to tease me. But Graham knows exactly what he can go do. It's the secondary tagline of the show that I'll eventually put on a t-shirt some way, shape, or form. But the only way I can do more t-shirts is 
if you guys order them and get them out of my house. So I will gladly send them to you. Go to TWTakesPodcast.com slash TWTs. Pick up the dope five-pack, $7 a t-shirt. $7. $7 a t-shirt. Because I pre-packed a lot of them and I made the website specific to how I wanted them to be sold, everything's in limited quantity. The coaster, sticker, pin set, it's a set, man. That's it. Limited quantities of everything. Please help support the show. The more you buy... Look, I may even transition out of the home merch section, you know what I'm saying, and just go to the Teespring site. Go to twtakespodcast.com slash international. There's a Teespring site there. It, it has the dope WCW logo that Ref Marsh created for me. And look, if if I sell out of all the TWT stuff, believe it, I'll, I'll put some more shit up on, on Teespring. I think it's a dope site. It's way better than fucking PWTs. They can go fuck themselves. I think it's better than what a maneuver, you know, but that's just my opinion. There's a lot of cool shit, man. A lot of cool shit out there. Please support the show. TBTakesPodcast.com slash TWTs. Pick up the dopest merch, fastest shipping, lowest prices across the board. I ship internationally. Just click on the international button to add additional shipping to help cover costs. It does not cover it all, and I don't care about that because it's not about the money. It's about spreading the word and showing the support. I appreciate everyone who listens, and if you have listened to the show before, then you know what that music means. So, with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel, follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter, share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet, email me, bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. Until next time.